Steve, let me ask you a personal question. <laughs> okay. <laughs> do, you have, do you have a mother, Steve? I do indeed. Fantastic. Don't we all? <laughs> yeah, well, yes, we all do, but I'm sure you're a good son and you love your mother, don't you, Steve? Uh, uh, the best. I'm like legendary. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Very good. Well, I got a tip for you. You can really win Mother's Day. Win your mother over on Mother's Day. Cement your reputation as this really good son. Give your mom an Aura digital picture frame. Have you heard of these things, Steve? Yes, I have. They're loaded up with decades of photos. You can just like hook them up to the phone and then you get the photos running through it, kind of scrolling through it. You seen these things? Yeah, they're great. They're really cool. Yeah, and you can get everything. Uh, and Pictures of your mom, pictures of whoever, your family, your brothers, all, all these things. They're a wonderful item. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code word ChinwagPod at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Damn it to hell, Steve. <laughs> Here we are. Steve, we're back. We're back for another exciting episode of The Chinwag. Steve. Indeed, sir. It's we such are. a pleasure to see your shining face as always. <laughs> My and shining to, face. <laughs> and to hear your dulcet tones and to be safe and sound with you again, talking about insane, bizarre things. Uh, and we will be speaking with uh, a wonderful science fiction writer named Nnedi Akorafor. But first, I want to welcome you back, uh, loyal listeners, uh, and thank you for joining us, as always, and remind you to take yeah. a little little trip down to over to Apple Podcast, if you'd care to, and, and leave, a, leave a review. Some leave of you a, guys are regular listeners yes. uh, and viewers of our fine animation on YouTube and so forth, but at Apple... Uh, you need to go down and basically re review us and uh, rank us and uh, give us yes. some thumbs up. It's very yeah. helpful to us, and we really appreciate it. Yeah, give us some love. I'm I'm an actor. I'm a narcissist. I need love. I need to know people <laughs> love me. So go and 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 just. Uh, just, just, just tell me that you love me. That's all I need to know. You, you are like you a love combination. <laughs> you are a nihilist who also needs love at all times. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's fucked up. That's sad and true. The Nihilist Who Needed Love. That's my memoir title. Is that a Shel Silverstein right. book? <laughs> right. The Giving Tree. The Nihilist. Is The Giving Tree Shel It's not Shel Silverstein. Yeah, I think it is. is. It? Yeah, it yeah. is. The Nihilist Who Needed Love, uh, Shel Silverstein. Fantastic. Uh, but indeed, we are going to be speaking very soon with a wonderful uh, science fiction writer, Nettie Okorafor. Uh, she's fantastic. She's our guest today. She's the award-winning author of uh, Who Fears Death, uh, her Binti novella trilogy, among many other fine and wonderful works of science fiction and fantasy. Uh, she's won many, many awards, uh, the Hugo, the Nebula, the World Fantasy Award, and more. She also uh, has written for Marvel, uh, the Black Panther. Oh, uh, I love the Black Panther. Yeah, Black right? Panther. And she, so she's been carrying on that uh, fine tradition. So uh, she's wonderful and witty and, yes. and smart and imaginative. We are ecstatic that she's here. Welcome, Nettie Okorafor. Hi, Nettie. 
Welcome. Welcome to our little show here. Well, I, I know we're going to talk about, um, you know, a lot of interesting stuff. African futurism is something we're very interested in hearing about. And Paul and I have read your stuff and we're big fans of your work. And you and I met in uh, Texas a few years ago at a Monsters oh. conference. Um, and so maybe we'll talk a little bit about monsters, but what I want to ask you right off the bat is I want to know why are dogs so much cooler than cats? <laughs> you I, really nice. want to go there. <laughs> Open and gambit. I do. I always want to. This is an, this is an important question that I want to hear the answer to. <laughs> First of all, it's wrong. And second of all, all of them are, all of them are cool. All uh -huh. of the, Dogs and cats and all creatures of the earth are yes. special. They are okay. all people, all That's earthly. a nice disclaimer. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. But, but I you, heard you're a cat person. I'm very much a cat person. But I love dogs, too. I love dogs. I'm fascinated by all of the creatures that, that love human beings. You know, mm -hmm. that's a big deal. We're not very lovable. So I, any, any creatures that love being around us and that... that um, are kind enough to give us their time mm -hmm. and and joy is, are, are are wonderful to me. But yeah, I'm I'm a cat person, and um, but that does not mean I don't like dogs. Two, <laughs> it's a two false different dichotomy. issues. Yes, exactly. Okay. Two separate issues. Do you, do you do you like birds? Have you ever had a bird as a pet yes. or anything like that? I love Have you? birds. Do you? I love and birds. You've had... and yeah, yeah. Growing up, I had, well, we had parakeets, of course. Lots of kids have parakeets, but I had doves. Wow. Um, yeah, ring-neck doves, four of them, and they had an enormous cage. I just liked weird animals, so my, uh -huh. my initial goal was a quail. And the quail was sold at the pet store. <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Now, a quail. Now, how is that a, a goal? Quail, no, 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 no. That's a fascinating, that's a fascinating goal. Did people sell quails in pet stores? They did. Yes, they did. They had, a pet, they had one at the pet store. I, I and where, wait a minute, where so was much. this that they were selling? Where were they selling quails in pet stores? It was it was at a pet store in Illinois, and like okay. this was like in the late eighties. So sure. I don't know if pet stores sure. have changed. All pets a were bit. off in the late eighties. <laughs> right. yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It seemed like it, but I had these doves. I had four of them, and I knew nothing about doves when I got them. I knew nothing. I just knew they were like these plump. Cute yeah. birds, and I yeah. fell in love with them as soon as I saw them. And what what I didn't know, I didn't know, and I always remember this, is that so I had them in my room in this humongous cage in my room, which really is not a good idea because <laughs> doves are dirty, it's <laughs> <laughs> dirty. Yeah, that must have been a really big cage because like, yeah, they it, need it was big because doves really are going to want to really flap around and stuff. Yes, aren't and they? slap each other and all. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Peaceful bird. They're like the symbol of peace, but they're not yeah. peaceful. But that's another thing. But like, I didn't know. I didn't know that they laughed. Oh, I really? didn't know that they, they were the kind that laughed. So one day I was sleeping and I just heard something go. Eh, eh. Oh, boy. I, really? I kid you not. You oh, can look boy. it up. You can hear the laughing. And I thought there was a troll in my room. Because <laughs> sure. I have a very big imagination. Like, what the hell? But like, yeah. They were, they were, they, my, my brother and I, we had this connection with these doves and, and they're singing. They love singing and That's all of their ways. And yeah, I love those doves. I know that I wake, I, I'm awoken most mornings in Brooklyn, New York to the sound of the, the incredible cooing of pigeons outside yes. the window. That is just fascinating. <laughs> but you know, it's interesting because I, 
but you know, you you you've already made clear that you feel great kind of compassion and connection to animals. Yeah. But they're not birds, like, they're not, a quail and a dove, are they giving, I mean, are they giving you a lot back the way like a parrot does? Or I like don't think they, cats they, are either. Well, yeah, well, no, right, know, no, well hold on, Steve. Yeah, 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 hold on, hold on, we're still on birds. Right. So okay, I'm sorry. sorry. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? And that's not to say that you shouldn't have a pet quail and whatever, but it's like, mm-hmm. it's are you cuddling up with a quail? And like, it's not really, you See, know? It's like, it's not about that, though. It's like, uh-huh. like... Some okay, so so cats and dogs and and certain other creatures are very loving towards human beings, but other creatures are not. They don't, you know, yes. they don't do that. And birds don't. Uh, well, I hear parrots. Parrots are different. Everything, but like, yes. um, the my doves, yeah, they didn't do that, and I wasn't looking for that from them. Like, no. I, I it wasn't. I wasn't like looking for them to give me love. Uh-huh. It was more uh-huh. just their their existence. And their uh-huh. shenanigans uh-huh. and their like their lives their and their presence. Their, their <laughs> dumb, dumb serious shenanigans. shenanigans. And, <laughs> and, but also probably to some extent the sheer like aesthetic pleasure of their of of their beautiful looking creatures. Yeah, yeah, their yeah they are. are beautiful. They are. Yeah. yeah. They well, are. and particularly doves. Doves are really beautiful. I knew yeah, the guy are. who uh his name is Yak Panksep, and he was the scientist who figured out that rats laugh. He tickled rats and then you couldn't hear them with a regular with your ear, but they were laughing at a certain frequency and no he way. discovered that all mammals and I, and I wonder if birds would be, you know, included even though they're vertebrates not mammals, they have a play system where they enjoy laughing. It releases all this endorphins in them and they they learn how to do it in rough and tumble play like when they're little, like when animals are wrestling with each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they bond mm-hmm. really well with humans. This is what we do too. Like human beings do this play as well. That is fascinating. That is and I super need to fascinating. Like, the idea of other animals laughing and yeah. that endorphin release and what does that mean? How can they well, because, figure out that rats laugh, I guess? I know. And also this guy got a grant <laughs> oh, cool. to do this. This guy had a grant <laughs> to like so cool. cycling yes. mice. But that Man. is really cool. But it's also, but it brings up the whole question of what is the point what is the function of laughter anyway? Yeah, you know, I mean, like, why are we laughing? Are we showing some sort of, uh, I don't know, comradeship? Are we showing that we're yeah. willing to? Be- why did it evolve? You know, why did laughing evolve? Or is it evolved? It's like, it, sometimes it's not controlled, though. Like, right. it's, it's, um, sometimes, have you, you ever been laugh. in a, si- <laughs> yeah, you don't, have you ever been in the situation where, it's like you're not supposed to laugh. Yeah. It is yeah. not a funny place. And, yeah. and the laughter church. comes. It's church. <laughs> church. 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 Uh, Fu- church. Funerals. 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 Like, yes. You know that weird reaction you sometimes have if somebody tells you someone's died and you you kind of laugh? It's bizarre. Yeah. It's, it's bizarre. really strange. So that it's is bizarre. an interesting function of it that I hadn't connected. Cats certainly to me seem like they do not laugh. I cannot. I cannot actually uh, go with the idea that cats are laughing at all. Um, they're chuckling at, at you. They're, they're not yeah, laughing snide. with you. Yeah, they're they, snide. I think they snicker. I think yeah, they, they snicker. snicker. Maybe Definitely. some cats laugh. I don't think the cat that I currently have laughs a lot, but he's uh, he's pretty serious fellow. <laughs> he's um, chill. Well, amazing. Thank you for enjoy- <laughs> thank you for for diving into that hard hitting question. Um, but I know I think Steve, we were wanted to get talking about Afrofuturism as yeah. opposed to African futurism, and mm-hmm. knowing the differences between these things, which are 
where I confess before reading your stuff, I did not know there was a difference between them. Yeah, yeah, there's there's a difference. And um, and okay, so first of all, I uh, African futurism is a term that I coined and mm-hmm. I coined it because I knew that it, it's not that I need to like go around naming things. I'm I'm very <laughs> concerned with conversations because the, the, the concept of naming something does bring it into existence. Mm-hmm. Naming is a powerful thing because once you name something, people can understand what that thing is. It's like they it's like before you name it, the 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 concepts were there, but mm-hmm. like it was it was less defined. So once you name something, it becomes something. So yeah. I knew a conversation needed to be had when it came to Afrofuturism and and because there were aspects of it that were left out. Like there were there were aspects that were left and, out. And which yeah. by the way, Afrofuturism being a sort of term to describe what exactly? Um, and this is yes. Okay, so Afro future. The, yeah, I think yeah, of yeah. like space is the place. What uh, <laughs> Sun Ra? That's what I associations in my head. And you're trying yeah. to break from those associations, I guess. Yeah. Um, and and the the definitions of Afrofuturism have been very very broad, and that was part of my issue too because I'm like, uh, okay, so generally. I hate defining effort because someone will be like, no, that's not what it yeah. is. <laughs> no, um, it's true. <laughs> I'm going to get this wrong. I'm that's going to right. get this wrong, so <laughs> deal with that. I know okay. it's wrong. What I'm saying is wrong. Good. But um, if I were to boil it way down, Afrofuturism is is uh, American-centered, uh, Black American-centered science fiction. Okay, um, but the definitions include fantasy, it includes everything, and I don't know why. It doesn't make sense to me, and I don't agree with that. I'm like, I don't know why you're putting science fiction and fantasy. They they can be mixed. They can easily mm-hmm. be combined. They can they manifest in different. I mean, look at the stuff that I write. But like, mm-hmm. um, but there is a such thing as science fiction. There's such thing as fantasy. And and if you have the word futurism in the the word, I don't think fantasy needs to be in there. Like right. so so that so huh. if, if we're if we're um, really boiling it down, um, Afrofuturism is African-American science fiction. Mm-hmm. And so this definition was being applied to everybody, like all people of African, like all writers, stories of mm-hmm. science fiction narratives of African descent. And mm-hmm. then also fantasy, just everything. And, and in doing that, it was causing a phenomena that I felt was problematic. It was mm-hmm. centering the United States, like centering narratives of the United States um, where everything else was kind of a secondary thought. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, that's that's not right. I'm Nigerian-American. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's way clear for me that that's not right. Um, so the term African futurism, it's it's similar to Afrofuturism in the ways of like, like that black people of the continent and blacks of the diaspora are connected by blood and spirit uh-huh. and history and, and and future, but it's different in that African futurism is rooted in African culture, history, uh-huh. mythology, point of view. It does uh-huh. not necessarily have to have anything to do with the United States or the West. And, and it seems to me, if I it, like some like um, some of the Afrofuturist, an idea that seems a part of Afrofuturism, mm-hmm. seems to be some idea of return to yeah. 
repatriation return to something which doesn't necessarily seem like it's a part of African futurism. Right. Necessarily. And not necessarily. It could be, but not necessarily. It is not, right. by, def not by definition. Um, and that has to do with Afrofuturism is African-American, and that right. is part of the narrative here. Right. It's a different narrative in other parts of the world. There are different narratives of um, people of African descent of, in other parts of the world. There are many yeah. different. That's one of the reasons why this is so important to me, because I think people were forgetting that. Mm -hmm. Also, one of the, the one of the big differences, like Afrofuturism tends to be really interested in what could have been an alternative history, like oh, going back okay. and then saying, oh, like, well, if this hadn't happened, well, this <laughs> could have. And oh. so African futurism is not, that is right. not central to anything. It's it's more concerned with what what is and Aha. then can and will be, mm -hmm. you know, and that, that's, that's a very, it, it's it's nuanced, it's subtle, but it's big. It's a no, big, big difference. That's Let me, can yeah. I ask you, difference. is there something about like, because uh, I've been reading your stuff, there's a, um, there's an appreciation of like what I would call like indigenous technologies in your in your yes. work. Like so yes. you've got like the kind of sci-fi stuff that you would expect, computers and <laughs> we're going to space and stuff, but then there's also this kind of appreciation for like in your own case like I guess like the clay of Nigeria or something becomes like a a protagonist in the storyline and is that common in African futurism to have these kind of indigenous technologies as part of it? Or is that just, is that just you? I think it's, 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 it's definitely me. That's something I've always been. That's one of the reasons why I write science fiction. It's like the, the foundation of like, when I started writing um, science fiction narratives, that was why, because I wanted to see those, those technologies that sprung up from the land, from the people specifically, as opposed to taking and adopting um, technologies from elsewhere. So that was, that's, that's core for me. But when I look at the definition of African futurism, that, that would be core to the, the concept of African futurism, that you're, you're, you know, we're looking at the indigenous and what can, and then, and, and then um, extrapolating and speculating from that. Are you talking to some extent about kind of technologies like folkloric technologies almost like magic and things like that as well or is that shading to like something else fantasy you know what i mean it's like um there's there's going to be like and that's another thing about african futurism the 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 mystical are part of it because yeah, that's right. part of the point the point of view if if we're talking about an african point of view and we know that africa is not a country it is a huge yes. continent first but generally um, that idea of the mystical and the mundane coexisting mm -hmm. is a it's a it's a point of it's an African point of view. That's that's normal. That is normal. That is uh -huh. it's not it's not even it's not uh, it's reality. It's not magical. Right. It's reality. So if you take people who think like that already uh -huh. and then have them speculate about the future. That's what's going to you're going to get those mystical that's cool. um, connections. It's really to cool. But also there's 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 such a sort of there's the, like a kind of basic idea in science fiction is this idea that at some point the technological and this isn't very Western oriented. It's a, the technological mm -hmm. becomes the magical at a certain mm -hmm. point. And mm -hmm. it's like, but mm -hmm. you're already positing somewhere 
you're you're going to a place and a people and a culture, different cultures and different traditions where that's already the case. Yes. You don't even need to be like developing the computers to the point where they seem magical at a certain right. point. That's already you're already there. That's really cool. Yeah. When right. I was living in um Southeast Asia, there's some similarities in the sense that you have a very um magic tolerant, and that's not even the right word. It's a magic embracing culture. Mm-hmm. Within science is sort of like like there's syncretism between Christianity and and animism. There's mm-hmm. syncretism between scientific views and these magical views, like in Vietnam and Cambodia. And in Sri Lanka, there's a lot of like, I mean, I think Arthur C. Clarke ended up living in Sri Lanka for the oh. latter part of his life. He and there's this yeah. weird like mix of science um, literacy, but also like heavy Buddhism and heavy right. magical and- traditions too. And I'm just guessing there's some similarity like this in, in Nigeria, maybe. I don't know. What's been Definitely. I mean, I think that uh, I, I think there's similarity in most of the world. Like, yeah, right. I feel it's like, just here. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like that this is the minority, actually. Yes. I think that so so that um uh-huh. yeah. I'm just I'm fascinated by that that the marriage of technology and the mystical. It just yeah. makes so much sense. Yeah. And I yeah. think that like if we move down the line with that, the things that we can create. Well, and the way that we, the way that we approach them, right, right, yeah, will be different. The way will be we less will, problematic. Yeah. yeah, that's what seems almost more important is that it's yeah, the way I we agree. will relate to it and mm-hmm. the way we will utilize it. That will mm-hmm. be that would be better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. And now back to the show. I was this is something interesting and I don't know. I think it's cuz I'm sitting Where are you actually? Are you I'm in Phoenix. Oh, okay. <laughs> Phoenix. Yeah. It's like, well, it's because right now, yeah, yeah. Right now I I'm in New York City right now and well, I don't know if you know what's happening oh, in New York yeah. City, which is crazy fires are happening. Yes. From and Canada? It's like, uh, yeah, from, yeah, thanks, okay. Canada. Thanks once again, Canada. <laughs> um, Canada. Like, <laughs> Goddamn Canada. <laughs> but it's, uh, but, uh, so this Poor is trees. crazy. And, you know, it's a very yeah. unusual event for New York City. It's very strange. And it's very apocalyptic looking. Isn't it? Isn't and it? I, and I, was, I was wondering about it, and it's interesting to me, the whole notion of, this is, I'm going a little bit, off a little bit left here. Sorry. It's like, I, I, I'm i like the kinds of concepts of apocalypse and end times and end of the world kind of narratives. Do they exist in African culture so much? It's Or is it not? Because I often, it seems like it's so related to a Christian to Christianity thing. Mm-hmm. But, but, but even in, I think in Hinduism, there's some idea that things will end, but then they'll, re, they'll start again. I think there's this idea that everything ends and starts again over and over again, that there isn't this final end, which seems to be, and I just don't know. I'm not at anywhere. I'm not familiar at all with a lot of the traditions you're, we could talk about here, but is there a kind of sense of like things will end 
ever in any of, of those traditions? You know, in in my research, which is of course limited because Africa is humongous and the cultures and the mythologies and all that, yeah. no human being can contain that all in their heads. Yeah. Um, but but it's something that I'm I'm interested in 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 learning different um, spiritual beliefs and all of that. So, mm-hmm. so um, in in my in my research, I have not come across yeah. that end of the world. Like everything is going to end. It's, yeah. No, no, I never thought of that. that. Is, I never thought of that either. That's really no, interesting. No, I'm just curious. It just doesn't, I mean, and obviously it's connected to a lot of Christian and right. that kind of yeah. thing. But even yeah. other traditions, I mean, like in Norse mythology, pre-Christian, it's like the world's going to end. Oh, yeah. You know, and it's like, and, and in a lot of these. Interesting. But I don't feel like I, in non-Western cultures, I've always been interested that there doesn't seem to be this notion that it's all going to fucking end. Right. That it's like, that it's all, and I just think it's great, actually. I like it. Yes. That there isn't this sort of <laughs> like, you know, everything. Yeah. It's yeah. All like go. Um, in Buddhism, they, there's also, this is missing. Like it's not a, an no. important part of the spiritual tradition. Like you're supposed yeah. to focus on the here and now. One time I know they asked Confucius about like, you know, do you think there's an afterlife and are you going to live on? And he was like, I can't even get it together here, like in this <laughs> lifetime. Like how the hell, how the hell would I know? Like That's I can't fantastic. focus on that at all. In in cultures where the mystical and the mundane coexist, there can be no end really. Right. Were you were you raised in any kind of religious tradition? Yeah, I was raised. I was raised and and let's accentuate the word raised <laughs> Catholic. Ah, um, my parents, both of so my parents, they're, they're yeah, it's a fun experience. <laughs> um, um, both of my parents, you know, they're they're Nigerian and they were born and raised in Nigeria, and they're mm. Igbo, and mm-hmm. the Igbo people, you know, uh, with British colonization came. Christianity. Mm-hmm. And with Igbos, the Christianity was also associated with education. And Igbos uh. are big on education. Like uh. you, you have a PhD. You get as many P- if you if you <laughs> meet a Nigerian who has like five PhDs, right. it's really? gonna be an Igbo person. And really? it's just oh yeah. Uh, yeah. They awesome. love their degrees. They love their degrees. <laughs> um and so that was always associated with with Christianity. And so like both like I just have beef, and I've had beef with with. I will say this because I've never said it publicly, but get it off I your have chest. Beef. Yeah, do it here. Do it here. Okay, um, I do have beef with Christianity. It's on a personal level, though, because it's like, um, well, one, it was I was raised Catholic, and mm. and I'm I'm one to ask questions. I was fascinated by all of it, and I love reading. So you know, Bible, all of that stuff. I, there's a text and everything, so I'm reading that stuff, and I'm like, so I had questions. <laughs> and I would get yelled, I, you know, I, they didn't like me having questions. But but even b- before all of that, um, bo- my mom in particular, my mom, both of my parents were super smart. They were like always the top of their class, like valedictorians. And they were also super athletic. So they were top athletes and most intelligent, you know, just oh, man, were, Jesus. Yeah, there was with a like lot seven of with like seven PhDs. And <laughs> exactly. Like, Jesus yes. Christ. <laughs> yes. Um, so I come from like these high powered Mm. parents but like so my mom was the top of her class and then this known athlete she was uh she made the 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 olympic team in the javelin she was oh, wow. like that Whoa. you know yeah. she was known cool. and so the oh, but the nuns who were like <laughs> oh you're you're so smart and everything the, what they saw when they saw this woman this nigerian woman who was a, the smartest and the most most athletic so physical and mental all just perfect 
what they wanted to do was try to make her a nun. Oh, they're, they're, they wanted to recruit her to become a So I wouldn't have existed oh God. if Christianity had had its way. Oh so I've always had personal. Like that. Yeah. It's personal. And also she personal. would, well, I will say this, it would have been cool if she, the one nun who could really just <laughs> like, throw a jab the right. would throw just a be like, yes. <laughs> absolutely, yes. just taken down like, the... <laughs> why take her out of the gene pool? Like, totally. Like, yeah. like, of totally. all people, why take her out? So I've had beef from the start. <laughs> And that, oh, that was something man. like, and my, like my mom would tell these stories. She was so flattered and all that. But uh, I was listening and I'm just like, I don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like that. No, don't like and so that, that stayed yeah. with me. And, and so, yeah. Um, there is I, a kind I, of culture that like, because uh, I grew up Catholic too, where they don't know what to do with you if you're, because this was an older time, like for my, my generation. And they were like, well, he's kind of intellectual. He reads books, like you were saying. <laughs> and they were just like, well, he may he'd make a good priest. They didn't know yeah, what else to right. do with the yeah, guy, sure. you know. So yeah, <laughs> they, you know, then they take you to meet some priest yeah. or something. He it's can, like, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> he can figure out how many yeah. angels dance right. on the head of a pen. That guy, yeah, he's the guy to answer all these vexing questions we have. Yeah, that's so bizarre. Can I ask about how? What was your sort of? I'm just curious because I'm a science fiction fan, and 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 I'm always curious about because I, I I like meeting science fiction writers is an honor, but also meeting fans and how you got into science fiction. Like, yeah. What was the what was the journey? for your, your science fiction interest and stuff. Yeah, my journey was weird. It was ah. weird because, like, it wasn't, oh, you know, I grew up reading the, the classics and that inspired me to do what I'm doing now. It was not that at all. Um, actually, I grew up, I, I read a lot. That was the one thing I, that was the only hint that I would be doing what I'm doing today was mm -hmm. that I loved reading. Books mm -hmm. were just like candy. They were mm -hmm. candy. The library is like a candy store to me. I would come out with just tons of, and I love candy, so it's a proper comparison. <laughs> and where was that? Was that in Chicago? Is that where you? This was from? in um, South Holland, Illinois. That was my South first Holland. library. So it's a, the south suburbs of Chicago. Awesome. Um, so I, I read a lot of books, but, and I read everything. I just, I've never paid attention to categories. I just mm -hmm. don't like, I, I would go into the library. I wouldn't even look at the labels. I just go in there and whatever awesome. I'd find is what I'd find. Mm -hmm. And, and so I would read everything. I would read, if it had a good story, whether it was nonfiction, whether it was fiction, it could be mm -hmm. mystery, it could be fantasy, it could be whatever, I would read it and enjoy it. But science fiction didn't appeal to me. I remember I wanted to read it. I, I, I would see the little uh, spaceship sticker mm -hmm. on the, uh, I'm like, oh, this should be good. But every time I'd start <laughs> reading it, it just felt, in a, it felt like the worlds that were presented. My library was very limited. It was not, it didn't have a very diverse selection at all. And th mm -hmm. But this was in the 80s. I don't think there was much yeah. um, in terms of diverse science anyway, fiction. Yeah. No, yeah. I don't think there was. No. Yeah. So like, um, I would try to read these stories and something in me sensed that these were narratives that not only I didn't need characters to look like me. I don't need characters in the, in the narrative to look like me for me to relate. That's not a problem mm -hmm. I've ever had. But okay. what I what I do have a problem with, and I it was intuitive. It wasn't something I was conscious of at you know the age of eight, nine, and ten. Um, it's worlds where I could not exist. So these uh -huh. narratives, it's like oh. I'm like oh you know this this reads I can tell like I wouldn't even be a thought in this world. And that's not a world that I wanted to dwell in. I just naturally didn't. 
So, uh-huh. so that kind kind of made me not read a lot of science fiction. Also, I when I did read it, I would I, I looked for books that were where the main characters were not human. Uh-huh. I just I related more to the aliens. I related more to the creatures. <laughs> sure. You know, I, I loved I loved that. I just Outsiders. felt more comfortable. Yeah, yeah. But like non-human, specifically non-human, okay. because they were just. They didn't have the issues that human beings had. This is sure. me looking looking back on it. I didn't know that this mm-hmm. was what I was doing, but this is mm-hmm. what. I, so I didn't grow up reading a lot of science fiction. But once I started writing, the first things that I that I and I started writing kind of late, in my opinion, when I was twenty. You mm-hmm. know, um, there's a whole story behind how I started writing. Writing but, at all? You mean like really sort of consciously sitting down, saying, me, uh, I'm gonna... writing fiction, like where, where it's me making up the story. Right. I had never. But I, I, both of my parents were doctors. It's like it's not uh-huh. something. And I was, and I was oh. all about the bugs and the catching uh. grasshoppers and and classifying <laughs> and, and, and becoming a nun. <laughs> becoming, <laughs> yeah, not becoming a nun. Not becoming um, a nun. <laughs> yeah, but like so, I didn't. It, it, that never crossed crossed my crossed my mind to actually make up the story. It just it wasn't even in my orbit. Interesting. But um, but what led me to write science fiction? So I, once I started what? writing. First things I started writing were like I it was just playing in the playground of my of my Igbo culture because it's like uh-huh. once I started writing, I realized, oh, I could do anything I want in these stories and nobody's gonna yell at me, nobody's gonna judge me. <laughs> so yeah. I started writing about all the forbidden stuff. Because there are all these forbidden things whenever we would visit where they're like, Oh, we don't talk about that. Oh, that's oh, that's evil. Right. You know, that you're a heathen. We need to take you to church oh. because you shouldn't uh-huh. even be asking about that. So uh-huh. I was fascinated by those things. So once I started writing, started writing about those forbidden things. And then as I got older, I started noticing technology showing uh-huh. up. And it was, it started with the cell phones. Cell uh-huh. phones showing up in the village, like, because half of the trip would be in the city, in Lagos, and then the other half would be in the, the southeast, which were very, almost rural areas. And this is you going back to Nigeria, visiting yeah. in Nigeria, and seeing yes. the encroachment of, uh-huh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. And I was fascinated. And I was seeing the, the because cell phones are portable, they are you, you. You charge them so they can be anywhere. And mm-hmm. then you once you once you you have your cell phone, you have access to the world. Mm-hmm. So you've got these cell phones just invading these very rural parts of Nigeria. And I was seeing it happen, and I was like, "That's so cool." And, and like you know, I would see like <laughs> the, the palm wine tappers climbing up the tree. You know, something ah. that I've seen how many times to tap the sap in the palm tree and then mm-hmm. they have their cell phone <laughs> when they're up there that's and I'm so like, awesome this is so cool so it is awesome. once, <laughs> once i realized that i knew i wanted to read i'm like okay what is the future going to be like here like yeah. what is it going to be like because there's the, the infrastructure the electricity and plumbing and all that is lacking but then you have this super advanced piece of tech mm. here yeah what is this place going to be like in right. the future yeah. what a f- you completely know? insane dichotomy. Yeah, it seriously like, is. And but no one was writing about it. No one. Like it was I, just. It was I, like I had to, and that was why I started writing. And now a message from our sponsor. And we're back with more Chenwag. I noticed, like you, like I'm a huge fan of comic books. I grew up on comic books and graphic novels, and I know you've written for like Black Panther and. Mm-hmm. There's a sense in which I th- I think um, the role of imagery is really important, like in comics and graphic novels. But the mm-hmm. the kind of like the literati dismisses this stuff still as well. Yes, that's not that's, literature, you know. Yes, yes, yes. Do you experience yes. that? 
Yeah, that was that's also a reason why I don't think um, um, science fiction was a thing back in the day. That's one of the because that was something I encountered only a few years ago. I mean, I, my first novel was published in 2005. And I remember the way that uh, Nigerians talked about what I was writing. Oh. Like they didn't have they didn't know how like they they kept calling it fairy tales. Uh-huh. They kept oh, calling it folklore, <laughs> yeah. like just uh, like child, like like basic. And I'm like, you don't even know, like <laughs> you don't know. And, and and I do think that my um, my That's Nigerian Americanness has played a role <clears throat> in in the um, boldness with which I write science fiction. It's like it's definitely that that distance because yeah there is a snobbery uh-huh. there there's a great snobbery there yeah. where that's From not Ni- real literature in nigeria yeah. saying this was kind of this uh, is low rent stuff yes yes it almost sounded like academia yeah <laughs> academia a lot in academia a few too, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. i, I wow, dealt with you know, dealt with a lot of that in academia where yeah science fiction and fantasy and mystery writing and speculative yeah. fiction are not real literature yeah. and it's like wow I mean, for um, for Africans to say the science fiction is not real literature, that's deep because uh-huh. science fiction is is like a an active and pointed and specific mm. imagining yeah. of the future. Like that's part. Not all science fiction is about the future, but that's like a big part. Yeah. And like to say that that's not real literature. Yeah. And the and the imaginative aren't real literature. Yeah. Um, that feels like colonialism to me. Oh, interesting. That feels like the result of colonialism to me. And, and that's, ah, that's and always that, been and how that I... This, in that there's this idea placed on uh, the, the, these categories of what's like real literature and what isn't real literature yeah. comes from yeah. the colonial... Sure, that makes yeah. a lot of sense, actually. Yeah. It's funny. I was going to ask you, you were talking about the palm wine tapsters and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> it makes me think of the one Nigerian writer I know of is this guy, Amos Tutuola. Do oh, you know Amos, who he is? yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's interesting oh, yeah. because, I mean, he's, it's great. And it's like, you know, but it's funny because I get, was that considered literature? I mean, he writes these kind of folkloric novels and, and they're very yeah. filled with magic and stuff. And, mm-hmm. and I don't know what, I mean, I'm, I'm taking this again off into a weird tangent, but I'm just interested because he's the one Nigerian writer I had any experience with before reading your stuff. And his stuff mm-hmm. is um, fantastical and it's a lot of like, uh, uh, folklore and stuff like that. And I wonder how that was received back in sort of the yeah. 50s and stuff like that. That's a really good question because um, I'm trying to think of another. There's uh, the, the name of it is slipping my mind because there's another book. It was it was translated by Wole Shoyinka. It had the word bush in it, something about bush, something. I, but it was, it reminded me of Amos. My life in the bush of ghosts. My life in the bush of ghosts. Now, just because yes. I uh, give people context, that's a, that's a famous book that this Nigerian writer wrote, My Life in the Bush of Ghosts. And, yes. it's, um, and it, it's an amazing book. It's a really cool book. But anyway, continue with what you were saying. Yeah. Um, I, these are, those were, I discovered both of those books. And actually, Amos Hutola is like, he has a whole bunch of, his most known is the um, the palm wine drinkard, but the, he has a whole bunch of other really weird, really weird, like, <laughs> really wonderfully weird. weird like, really what weird. is this? I yeah. love it. I'm gonna um, check it out. You yeah, should you check should. it out, and and anybody yeah. listening should check it. It's very strange stuff. Yes. it's really cool. Yes, the 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 folklore of it is so cool. 
Oh, it's and, so cool. Um, the ghost, and this is something I want, I want to ask you, the concept of ghosts in that book, because what happens in the book is a kid gets lost in the, in the, I think he, I can't remember why, but he runs away from home and, and from his village and he gets, and he goes from, he gets deeper and deeper into the bush and he goes from village to village and it gets weirder and weirder and weirder as yep. he gets deeper into the bush and these, in the, and he goes to these different ghost towns and each town. And I thought the concept of ghost is, seems totally different. Um, in, in, you mean in in, in Nigerian culture? Yeah, and I, and I wonder that, if that's oh. true. Like, if ghost means something different than it, I mean, I would assume it does. But, yeah, but but or how much of the idea of ghosts coming from Western culture get put into? I don't know. I'm just curious what the deal with ghosts is. <laughs> and do you yeah. believe in them? <laughs> do you and do you believe? <laughs> do in I? Them? Um, gosh, do I believe? Uh, gosh, that's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah, um, sorry. Because actually, when you were bringing that up, I was like remembering because it's been a while since I read the Palm Wine Drinker. But me that, too. That book has has like influenced a lot of what I was what I write. I and wondered. As you were talking, I was like, oh my gosh, that's where I got that from. I <laughs> wondered <laughs> if it did. <laughs> I wondered if it did because because the um, yes, some of your stuff has this sort of uh, you know this sense of somebody journeying deeper into a, into yes. a strange world and mm. encountering more and more alien things. Yep. And which yep. is very much like those books. And I wondered yep. if that was true. I didn't want to say you were plagiarizing. <laughs> Paul just, is, <laughs> is spotting your no, influences. No, no. no, but I was really <laughs> yeah, interested because seriously, yeah, because it did remind me a little bit of those books. Um, yeah. But anyway, but ghosts. Kept getting back to ghosts. I'm just curious yeah. what your thoughts are on ghosts culturally um, and whether you believe in them and things like that i have had i've had we i've had experiences there's mm -hmm. one in particular that i had when I, it was in nigeria and it was in the village and it's it stays with me <laughs> you, would you care to share that experience <laughs> i did it was okay all right like all right okay it was weird already it was weird already and mm -hmm. um so I, it was I was with my, this was one of the, one of my many trips. I was staying with my sister and the situation was crazy because my parents have a house, two houses that are built in the village. And um, we were going to see how the houses were doing. When my sister and I arrived there, we were like, I don't know, like in our early twenties. Mm -hmm. When we arrived there, we come to find out that all the villagers had taken everything out of the house. Like every. Whoa. Weird. Yeah. All that was it left was one bed. All the couches, everything was gone. So wow. we were already in, in the state of mind where, like, I was mad. I was ready to yell at everybody. <laughs> and I was yelling at everybody. I wasn't like, you don't treat, mistreat my parents. Right. Absolutely, I was just, yeah. I was yelling. and and But um, we stayed that, like, we were like, we're staying in this house. This is parents' house. Staying in it. So we, were, <laughs> we had this one spare bed. That's what we're staying in this house. I actually wrote a story that that was um, inspired by this. But like we stayed in the house and I just remember um, it was night and it was hot and there were mosquitoes and we stayed in that house anyway. And um, <laughs> I was on the balcony and I was looking out at the 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 forest because it's like it seems very rural there, even though it's a lot of farmland. I'm looking out at the forest and it was hot and there was something in the uh, something that was um, there was a presence that was hovering above the forest, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it was not. It was late. My sister was sleeping, and I just fro I was just looking at it. Mm -hmm. I was just looking, and then it flew at me. Mm -hmm. It flew at me, and it flew through me, and I could hear it 
like that. Mm-hmm. And it's who they're, and and I just I I just was um there's the writer's side of me. <laughs> the writer's side. <laughs> okay, I, I, I got to I got to remember <laughs> this. Right. That was so sure. hard. But <laughs> I was terrified. Yeah. I was Did it have terrified. A shape? Yeah, it was it, have, it you you it could oh. see something. You saw something. something. It was it was like a shadowy presence. and it was mm-hmm. da- it was a presence. It was shadowy, it was dark and it flew at me. It was huge. Wow. It was huge and it flew through me and then it flew through the house mm-hmm. and then out. And so it's like and and that area has always been like and that's why I talk about that part of the world. That specific village is my father's village where we have the two houses. That's like the core of where my inspiration comes from. Like the, the um, not just inspiration, but like the energy is because you mm-hmm. can feel it. You can feel it there. But mm-hmm. that was my most tangible moment because I could hear it. Mm-hmm. I could see it and mm-hmm. I could feel it. And it went through the house. It and went through the house and it <laughs> came from the forest. It came from the forest. Do, yeah. now, do, you, do you interpret that in a certain way or you just leave it as uninterpreted weirdness? That's Yeah, and that's what I mean, like, by the naming of things. This, it doesn't work here. I don't, I don't, I, ha- I don't name it anything. Like, mm-hmm. I don't say that that's a ghost because yeah. ghost um, has yeah. a... Baggage. Like, well, it yeah, does. It has, it a, has a really specific yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But, so, but that's what's interesting about that Nigerian novel is that Ghost seems to mean a million things. It's like mm-hmm. ghost means a guy who comes into your into your house and takes his head off and like puts it on the table and starts to mm-hmm. pull his arms off. And like mm-hmm. it's like ghost means like a weird tree creature jumping around. It's it was really cool that ghosts seem to not be such a specific thing in, in at least in that novel from that coming out of the culture then. You know, yeah. But, um, I, I think the the way that I've always seen it is are, are the limitations of language. Uh-huh. Like like ghost is 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 um in in that in that novel ghost was carrying everything like yeah. it's, it's just yeah there's no word for it so let yeah. me just put ghost yes. on that that's right that's exactly <laughs> yeah. what it was like it was like i will encapsulate it by saying ghost yeah but i thought it was a really cool thing that ghost has such expansive energy in that book it's really mm-hmm. cool it's a million different things i wonder too yeah. like i mean you've got more experience than the average person thinking about aliens and UFOs and tech. And now in the news, it's hotter than ever because they mm-hmm. maybe going to have congressional investigations and all kinds of stuff. What are you making of all the latest? Uh, and let me put it to you this way. Uh, are we alone? That's what, that's what I want to ask you. Oh, that question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, first, I'm, I'm excited about all of it. I'm like, mm-hmm. And and what I always think is finally it's about time. I mean, mm-hmm. come on. But um, <laughs> I mean, statistically, we can't be alone. I mean, I no. think about this all the time. Um, we can't. There are. There has to be. There. There are others out there. But I always think about like what we're looking for and what we expect might be the problem. Because so. what you- we're always like. Human beings always expect to see reflections of themselves everywhere. Ah, yeah, I see. Uh-huh. Everything has to be like us. And it doesn't, that concept doesn't even make any sense mm. because we're on this planet. This planet's very specific. Look at it compared to all the closest planets in our solar system. I mean, there's nothing, nothing like Earth. So everything on here has developed to be like everything here. Mm-hmm. Why would something yes. develop like yeah. here over there? 
It doesn't mm-hmm. make sense. So, so if we encounter um, extraterrestrials, why would they be like us? Mm-hmm. Why at would all. they be like at all? At like, all? At all? Yeah. Like, I, and I, I think about like, would we be able to see them? Will they? Right. Will they operate on a different wavelength? Totally. Are they just completely, completely different substance that we can't even detect with our right. earthly senses. So those are the things that I think about all the time. I'm, I'm just. Um, um, I, I feel like we've 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 been visited before. We're you know I, it just but the way that what we expect I think what we expect might be getting in the way. That makes sense. Yeah. No, and then, and but that idea I used to as a kid always be like, you know, you'd read well, you know, uh, Jupiter is seventy five percent methane. It's not possible for anything to live there. And I always be like, but what about the thing that lives on methane? Right. But what about some creature that lives on methane? <laughs> exactly. I don't know. You know, we can't even detect it. It's just <laughs> an interesting thing. And I and I have another question for you. And and because and it's because I think the same thing to some extent about AI about artificial intelligence is that this sort of this people saying, well, no, of course it's not conscious. We know it's not conscious because it doesn't do blah, 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 blah. And I keep saying, but what What if something's developing? Yeah. Not only what is consciousness, but what if something's developing? We're not detecting about it yet. But anyway, I'm just curious your thoughts about AI in general. Yeah. But also, yeah. Oh, I have lots of thoughts about AI go. in general. <laughs> I'm trying to reel it in. <laughs> no, go. Don't bother. Don't reel uh, it in. Yeah. But like the the mystical and the mundane, we, we, you know, there's there's that, and you were kind of verging on it. What you were mm-hmm. what you were just saying. Um, I, I think that that is something to consider. And um, oh God, what do I want to say about AI though? I'm more interested in sentient AI. Like I just mm-hmm. like yeah, me where too. it's not just a, a program that is used to replace people. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. You know, because that that conversation is tiring to me. It's, it's mm-hmm. utterly exhausting to me and irritating. Very, very irritating. But <laughs> I like the concept of <laughs> You're so uh, angry about it. That's great. I am awesome. angry about awesome. it because no, the way that when I hear people talking about it, like there's so when I hear non-creative people talking about using AI to create and to write novels and oh, to make yeah. paintings that and then to exhausting. replace people. Yeah. It's it's very irritating yeah. to me. It's not even the, the 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 concept of doing it that's irritating. It's the not understanding what creatives do. Yeah. Right. And yeah. not respecting what the creatives do. Like yeah. that's because like even before AI came about, you know, this whole idea of why should I have to pay for this movie? Why should I have to pay for this book? I could just go pirate. Like that attitude has been there right. all this time. That's so very now true. it's just bloomed into this yeah. this annoying conversation. Yeah. You know true. that I just can't stand. So, I, but I prefer the conversation around sentience. Yeah, me I, I'm too. Like, I'm like the, the guy from Google who was saying this thing is sentient. Then he was fired. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm <laughs> totally. interested in that. That That's me too. Like, yeah, me too. I think um, there's a there's a tra- there's sort of a traditional view, which is that if the thing can pass the Turing test, mm-hmm. which is have a conversation with you and you can't tell if it's a machine or a person, then we have to let it into the consciousness club. That's traditionally been the marker. But I think that's a bullshit criterion for too. measuring yeah. <laughs> consciousness. Like, who cares if you can use language in a certain yeah. way? That's why I don't care that ChatGPT looks so amazing. Yeah. What I want to know is, can it feel pleasure or can pain? feel yeah yes. can it feel something yeah right right, right. and and when, when when we get to that point 
how are we going to treat it? That's the part. Yeah. That's, that's part. Like, we're, how are we going to treat, treat it? Yeah, right. But and, my, and what are we going to use it for? What are we yeah. going to use it for? As, Should that's, we be that's using assu- it? That's assuming it's <laughs> not going to be it's using us. Well, <laughs> well. Yeah. I mean, arguably, I talked to a guy once, you know, the singularity, this whole idea of like at some point everything flips and the technology becomes the dominant, you know, we're dominated by our mm-hmm. technology, not the other mm-hmm. way around. I talked to a guy once who was like, man, they invented the wheel and we were screwed. We were done. It's like, you know, <laughs> technology was ruling us already. It's like, and it's happened to some extent that we're already mm-hmm. being ruled by them. So that's that's assuming it's not going to do something with us, you know, as much as we're going to do something with it. But my concern yeah. is more that it's not even going to be something we even know what the hell it is. <laughs> we're not even going to be able to, you know what I mean? I'm kind of fascinated by that though. I kind of want that. Me too. Like, <laughs> just the, the like something that we don't know. I I, I like the idea, um, of of when I say AI is I, I don't I don't consider Chat GPT AI like mm-hmm. artificial intel. Mm-hmm. It's not intelligence. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. So when I'm so, talking about AI, I mean the sentient kind, the kind mm-hmm. that can feel, mm-hmm. the something, kind that yeah, can that's be, coming. You maybe. know, mm-hmm. yeah, that that's coming. Um, I I, I think that. Those when when that happens, we're going to be forced to face some of our worst qualities. I would think because so. it's like this idea of like they shouldn't be working for us; they should be our friends. <laughs> <laughs> we should be trying to like be, we should be treating them like somebody that something somebody um, that we'd want to be friends with. And if if we do, they're not slaves. Mm. See, that's no, that's totally. where that slippery slope is totally. right there. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Look, I would hope. That they may be able to help us. Yes. I would hope that they get they reach a point where they can actually fucking help us. Maybe, you yeah. know what I mean? That they're actually going to be something very positive. That they're almost it's almost like we're going to create angels. You know what I mean? That it's like <laughs> in artificial intelligence. We're going to create something. It's going to aid us. It's going to say, "Here's how you solve all your fucking problems, you idiots. Here's how you. Here's what you do." You know. But she, the but tricky we have to thing let is, them get there. Yes. Yeah, and they, also they like you said, be, it's a slippery yeah. slope. Like you, mm-hmm. oh, we have these dogs. We have these cats. They are friends in a way. They love us, but also they're subservient to us as well. You know what I mean? Like yes. they're not our peers. So yeah. this will cats? be a different kind of thing. Well, oh, I think yeah, at a certain point, that's true. I think at a certain point, <laughs> cats, it's true. At they a certain point, at a certain point, I think the AI will be, will maybe be able to get itself there. You know, I mean, it's like yeah, maybe right. in theory. Yeah, right. with its you know? boot on our neck, man. That's how it's well, going to go down. It could be that, and it could look at this point. If it's going to solve people's problems, fine. It's <laughs> like you know, if it could help us, why not? Does it have to be sinister? Does yeah, it have exactly. To be, that's what I'm like, saying. If it has its boot on our neck, that's because we've created it that way. Exactly. We've, we've let it. Yes. Because exactly. like I just, I just hope that we're able to just, just stop doing that. Like then that's that's one yeah. thing that I do worry about because anything made by human beings is going to have our flaws. It's going to have our yeah. our digital yeah. DNA in it. So like um, that's what I mean. We need to get it together. Like yeah. Yeah. We, we're so focused on creating the technology and we're not focusing on getting ourselves together because that it, we we don't realize that that is going to affect the technology that we make at this yeah. point. Like if we make a sentient AI, it's going to have those bad qualities yeah. that we have not dealt with if we don't deal with them. So yeah. like, that's what I'm, I'm, I'm still, I'm a, I'm an irrational optimist. So, <laughs> I'm, you know, it's going to be okay. 
<laughs> no, that's good. No, I, 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 there is a part of me, amazingly, because I am not optimistic or in any, I'm irrational, but I'm not, I'm not optimistic. But I have these funny moments of thinking to myself, you know, what is the purpose to our consciousness? I don't fucking know. I don't yeah. know. But maybe this consciousness will actually show us why there's consciousness. Yeah. You know what I mean? Maybe this thing will develop. And you know what I mean? It's like it's maybe possible. this thing will develop into something that, that shows me the reason there's consciousness. Because otherwise, what the hell is it point to it? Does there Do have you, to be a point? Uh, uh, please, please, please. <laughs> that's a great response. But say more about that. Like, it doesn't have to have a point. Doesn't I don't know. I think, about that. I think about I that a lot. Too. Because, like, um, I don't know. Um, Sometimes I wonder if we get so caught up in this idea of everything has to have a purpose, everything has to have a function uh -huh. that we miss that we miss important things. Interesting. And and like this is just in general, this is like a general philosophy for me because a, a lot of it is because of the way that my my life has moved. Uh -huh. Where when I've tried to plan and when I've tried to have like you know where I'm like sure this is how things are going to go and then things just went into disarray and that disarray <laughs> is what like seriously disarray is not an understatement <laughs> but that disarray is what led me yeah. to like these these awakenings that I wouldn't have arrived at and so like this this and it, it, it comes down to structure too because because things having a purpose is a structure. Yeah. Uh -huh. It's like, it's yes. control as well. Yes. It gives us yes. control where we're like, okay, we know what's going on. We know what we have to do. Yes. We may not be able to do it, but we know we got to do it. And, yeah. and like that letting go of that, I think may lead us into, into directions that we totally. can't see until we let go. Yeah, totally. I like that too. Totally. I, I mean, in the Christian totally. in the Christian tradition, it's, there's like, why does God make the world? If He's perfect, why make this imperfect mess? And it's always like, well, it's a the purpose is it's going to be a test for all it? of us. But in the Hindu tradition, it's like they ask the same question, and the answer is it doesn't have a purpose. It's right. just a cosmic dance. Yeah. It's just a yeah. dance. You know, it's that's just what it this is. extraordinary yeah. dance. I love wow. that. We've solved a lot here. Yeah, today, we covered it all. <laughs> we really have. Well done. <laughs> we have really solved a lot here, but we've also taken up a lot of your time. And, Thank and you so probably much. Probably no, more than, than you, you intended. This was really awesome. Really, yeah, so much. I enjoyed. And you, yeah. re really, I love your stuff, and it, yeah. and, and it's just and it's really a pleasure to talk to you about all of this stuff. Thank you so much for spending time with us. Thank you. Yeah, and th thanks for having me. This has been like a really great conversation. Very Good. fruitful and just fun. Yeah, this <laughs> is fun. Chinwag is a production of Treefort Media and Touchy Feely Films. Hosted and executive produced by Paul Giamatti and Stephen Asma. Executive producers for Treefort are Kelly Garner and Lisa Ammerman. Dan Carey is executive producer for Touchy Feely. Our series producer is Rachel Whitley Bernstein. Our associate producer is Andrew Miller. Original theme music by Luke Topp, with additional music by Via Mardot. Oscar Guido is our executive in charge of production. Tom Monahan is head of audio for Treefort. Animation created by Alex Sokol. Audio production, supervision, and editing by Maxwell Carney. Additional audio assistance and mixing by Jeff Neal. With additional production management from Renee Levesque. Clara Wong is Celestial Empress of Benevolent Knowledge. Lastly, for more information, go to chinwagpod.fm and find us on Instagram or TikTok at chinwagpod or on Twitter at chinwag underscore pod. Mm -hmm.